The Tablet Show, Episode 17, with guest Andrew Glover. Recorded live Friday, January 20th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Andrew Glover about PhoneGap. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. It's The Tablet Show. It's Carl and Richard here with a subsidiary of .NET Rocks, The Tablet Show, focused on tablet and mobile development because we think that's the future. Mm-hmm. And something we should be talking about every week. I think so. Certain, certainly a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking to and- Andy Glover in just a few minutes. But first, we have some business. Yes. Starting with Better Know Framework. Awesome. <laughs> It's not really business. It's kind of like bonus content. Yeah, and a great theme song, too. Are you sticking in the WinRT space? Yes, because that's what we need to know. Okay. Uh, now, last week I talked about windows.ui.xaml.input. I recall. And there's some confusion because there's also a windows.ui.input namespace. So and one there are... with XAML, one without. Yeah, exactly. Um and the documentation for Windows UI XAML input says, defines the input and input event infrastructure for applications and UI elements, mm-hmm. which is weird. It might lead you to believe that it's more fundamental, so why would it be? I don't know. But Windows.UI.input says it provides support for the Windows input system. This includes touch, stylus, mouse, and keyboard device input, gesture detection, recognition, and handling, inertia detection, configuration, so it looks like the fundamental stuff is in Windows UI XAML input, mm-hmm. but you do have stuff like inertia rotation behavior, inertia expansion behavior, you know, pointer, tapped event args, right tapped event args, and that's in Windows UI XAML input. But in Windows UI input, we have stuff like application command, cross-sliding event args, gesture recognizer, which provides gesture manipulation, recognition, event listeners, and settings. So to me, they're sort of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why they're separated. Yeah, why are these two different classes? Because they sound like they're complementary to each other. Two different namespaces, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they are complementary. Maybe we'll get one of our esteemed uh, guests to tell us the difference. Awesome. Yeah. So who's talking about us, Richard? That's what you got, huh? That's what I got. I like it. I grabbed an email um, from Christopher Snazzle, who says... Just finished listening to show 14, which was the Kevin McNish show on Objective-C, and I thought I'd share my experience of the evils of garbage collection, yeah. at least when it comes to the mobile space. Yeah. I've recently ported an app from iOS to Windows Phone. IOTA, your digital notepad, combines the power of the modern smartphone with the ease and familiarity of a physical notepad. Clever app. It relies on gestures and animations to provide a notepad experience on a multi-touch screen, and providing a consistently responsive user experience is key to the app's success. Enter the garbage collector. I hear the music there. Dun, dun, dun. I noticed that when moving back through the navigation stack, there could be significantly long pauses between pages. Obtaining some rough timings for this navigation, I found that it could take between 200 and 1200 milliseconds to move from one page to another. 1,200 milliseconds is over a second, kids. Yeah. Uh, The modal value is around 400 milliseconds, twice the average human reaction time. The solution was to schedule GC collect after a page had been loaded and any entry animations had been played. This brought the modal navigation time down to around 250 milliseconds and subsequent optimizations reduced this time even further. Yeah. And I like the more important thing here being consistent delay so that people don't get surprised. Garbage collection is not free, and on resource-constrained devices, like phones, it can undermine the overall experience. iOS trades developer effort for user experience. Although the level of, quote, effort required to manage memory is pretty trivial, there's one simple rule for managing memory in Objective-C. If you allocate it, you release it. It takes about a week to get the hang of, and the runtime provides a couple of flags, 
NS Zombie and CF Zombie level, which are great flags, by the way, <laughs> that can be configured to highlight memory management issues. While I dislike work as much as the Neck developer, it's dishonest of developers to push subpar experiences onto consumers because they're too lazy to spend a week learning the ins and outs of the system they're developing for. Thanks for the show. It's piqued my interest in Windows 8, and once the beta is out, I expect to build a Windows 8 Metro version of my app. Well, this is a great email. Thanks so much, Chris, because you talked about real garbage collection problems, and the big thing there, that erratic experiences is exactly what users hate. The fact that you solved it by scheduling your garbage collection to create a stable experience and optimize for it. And the fact that iOS, this is the upside. If you manage memory, you don't have to make that extra step. Although, you know, you spent some time to learn to do that properly in Objective-C, and you spent some time to learn to do that properly in Windows Phone 7. Well, you know, and this is what I was talking to Russell about yesterday. Sure. And that, you know, that's my question is, do you have an issue with garbage collection? I asked you if you remember, do you have, you ever play like games or do anything that's sort of resource intensive on your on your Windows phone, Richard. And, and I think at the time I said, like, I've never had a problem with that, but it also occurred to me that all those really intensive apps, they run X and A. They don't uh, even run the, the, that's true. the managed stack. That's true. Right? So I may be, you know, deceiving you there as well. But, but, you know, Chris hits the biggest point here, which is if you're lazy, if you don't pay attention to these things, they will bite you. Yeah. One way or the other, whether you don't clean up your memory in iOS and end up rotting and being killed by the uh, operating system, or you get sloppy with manual garbage collection or not doing garbage collection yourself at all and just letting it run whenever it wants to run and creating erratic experiences. Either way, you can go wrong. Yeah. Great email, Chris. Thanks so much for sending it to us. We're sending you out a coveted and incredibly rare tablet show mug. So rare, I don't even have one. So, and if you'd like a tablet show mug, you can write us an email at dotnet rocks at franklins.net and ask us, uh, something about a tablet show. You know, add some contribution. I would really appreciate it that Chris also added to his subject line in Square Braces, tablet show, making it very easy for me to see this was a tablet show email. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you for that. So, uh, I guess that brings us to our guest, Andrew Glover. Or as he likes to be called by his friends, Andy. Andy's the CTO of App47, where he gets to play with iOS, Android, Ruby, Rails, Heroku, AWS, MongoDB, and everything else that is cool these days. He carries around an iPhone, iPad, and HTC Droid phone, and in his free time, hacks on Node.js. And, uh, Andy. Yeah. Welcome to the show. We, um, we, we saw your session at CodeMash. Thought it was great. Wanted to have you on the show. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This is this is awesome. Did you partake of the bacon bar at Code Mash? <laughs> you know, the bacon bar, at least the one that I was familiar with, was on Friday afternoon, and it happened right after I left. So I saw it all on Twitter. Yeah, I was highly jealous. There was excellent bacon though um, for breakfast. Yeah, uh, that's for right. the, the, in the morning. So yeah. So here's here's the funny thing that happened is that. They didn't anticipate the success of the bacon bar because right after the bacon bar was out, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, they had vendor sessions. And I'm sitting there having some bacon and everybody's in the hall chowing down on bacon. <laughs> Nobody's in the vendor sessions. And I hear Jim Holmes' voice come over the loudspeaker. Uh, folks, there are vendor sessions going on right now. We know you love the bacon. Take the bacon into the session. <laughs> it's okay. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, sounds like I made a, missed a great conference. Holy. <laughs> yeah. Bacon I got to say, that was an awesome conference. Uh, I had been to Code Mash before. I, I think I spoke at the first one and the second one. Yeah. And then I took a, a, took a break from just traveling in general. But when I went back this year, I was so impressed. It was such an amazingly well done conference. There was so much energy there. Uh, there's like a good mixture of people there in terms of, you know, different communities, .NET, you know, iOS, Ruby, Java. It was awesome. And have you noticed that it's the mixed platform shows that seem to really be thriving? Yeah, I think and so. I and, and I'm thinking it's both ways, too, because I talk to folks who go to like pure Ruby shows and talk about the issues there. But when you get everybody together in the same place, I think there's a different dynamic happens. It really buzzes. Well, you know, and, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily true yet, but I'm starting to believe that, um, 
gone are the days of the single stack, if you will, implementations. You know, uh, you know, my, my background, if you, if you will, is, is, you know, primarily Java. I used to be a Java guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you enter the mobile world, you have so many different devices, you know, different, you know, obviously you've got, you know, Windows Mobile, you've got obviously Droid and iOS. And so if you want to be in that world, it, it becomes a, you know, a heterogeneous environment in the sense of, you know, you can't just be an iOS guy or gal because then most, if not all mobile devices speak to some backend or mobile apps speak to a backend. So what are you going to put that backend and you can build it and, you know, any number of technologies. So I think that the, the, the mixed audiences brings a lot of uh, excitement and different ideas to the table because everyone's starting to now delve in all these different technologies. Well, we did a show on .NET Rocks about phone gap a little ways uh, ago, a little while ago, but Mm -hmm. uh, just for anyone who doesn't really know what it is, let's just start at that. Sure. So, so PhoneGap is an open source mobile development framework that allows you to build mobile apps using HTML and CSS. Um, you, you would write them basically, you, you, you would write them like you would a website in the sense of you're doing a lot of JavaScript and then a lot of HTML. And then you can deploy those apps to multiple devices, whether it be Windows, uh, Windows Mobile. Is that what we call it now? Yeah, Windows Mobile. I will. Okay. Windows Phone 7, I think, is what we're talking about, to distinguish it from previous versions of mobile, which is totally different. Fair enough. So you can deploy it to Windows Phone 7. You can deploy it to an iOS devices, whether it be an iPad or an iOS. You can deploy it to uh, Android devices, and then it also supports uh, BlackBerry. And then uh, Bada. I think I'm pronouncing that right. So it's it's it, it allows you... The, the promise of PhoneGap is that you can build your app once, and then you can deploy it to multiple multiple devices. And what's more is you get to take advantage of native features of those devices. So you could write, again, an app that takes advantage of the accelerometer, GPS, the camera, uh, across all these devices. All those things that are typically associated with a native app. Exactly. And of course, the benefit is, is that I don't have to learn, you know, as you were just alluding to earlier, you know, I don't have to learn iOS. I don't have to deal with... This may be a good thing or maybe a bad thing, but I don't have to deal with, let's say, you know, manually, uh, you know, uh, memory management, so to speak, in in iOS. I don't have to deal with that. Um, I don't have to learn Windows Phone 7, you know, .NET if I'm not, you know, again, a .NET person. Uh, I don't have to deal with, you know, J2ME for BlackBerry and and Java for Android. I can just write this thing using, you know, quote unquote, standard web technologies. So I got to imagine JavaScript plays a huge role in this. It's huge. Yes. Uh, you know, in JavaScript is kind of like the, the language to rule them all. Um, it's the bridge between all languages. You know, if you're a PHP person, you know, JavaScript, if you're a Java person, you know, JavaScript, if you're a Ruby person, you know, JavaScript, you know, the, the list goes on. Um, and for PhoneGap to take advantage of the native features, you know, like the phone, uh, or excuse me, the camera or the accelerometer or GPS, um, via your web app, you do it, you know, via JavaScript. So yes, JavaScript is is here to stay. Uh, as I said in my uh, my presentation, if you um if you don't know JavaScript, you need to know it. You need to learn it. It's uh it's becoming more and more prevalent. And you're the no you're a Node.js guy as well, so you're doubly biased. <laughs> well, you know, and I used to. I'll be honest with you. I used to you know poo poo so to speak uh, JavaScript uh, mm-hmm. when I you know when I first learned JavaScript back when you know back when Netscape was still around and whatnot. Uh, it was, you know, a, a, a tiny language for, you know, manipulating forms on web pages. And I thought it was pretty lame, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> you know, I could, I could fire up a, you know, a little alert to tell the person to, you know, enter a valid phone number. And I thought that was, you know, just a waste of time. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that's what I believe. So I, I didn't really respect JavaScript for a long time mm-hmm. until, uh, I mean, it's probably been within the last two years that I've started to have to, you know, I've had to relook at JavaScript and realize, a, it's not going away. It's only getting more popular. And actually, it's it's not a toy language. It's actually fairly powerful. Language, and I think more importantly, the toolings also evolved a lot, too. Oh, certainly. The WebKit browsers make, uh, you know, exactly. Debugging JavaScript back then, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you didn't debug it, I guess. Right. You know, <laughs> But now, you, you know, you can step into it. You can see what's going on. There's consoles where you can play around with JavaScript and learn it. Now, that doesn't mean that JavaScript doesn't have its warts. I, I think actually at Codemass, they were talking about this. It was the language itself was designed in, what, 14 days? So yeah. th- there are, you know, warts with JavaScript, but Beyond that, it's a very, very powerful language. If it wasn't powerful, if it wasn't forgiving, 
you know, the web would fall over on itself. So sure. our, our friend Tim Houlihan uh, asked the question from Twitter, and this is a good one. What's the story in PhoneGap around protecting the source of the app? Yeah, I see that. And so I'm, um, I'm not 100% sure what, uh, what he means, but I'll take a stab at it. So Can you view uh, the source code? Of what? Of your PhoneGap app. If you deploy it onto a device? Yeah. Yeah. No. Unless you decompile it. Uh, so ultimately what happens is let's, I'll take iOS and Android since I know them very well. Okay. So what happens is, you know, ultimately you are building a web page. So, or web pages. So you'll have multiple JS files, multiple HTML files. You will embed them in a native app, whether that be, you know, in Xcode or let's say something like Eclipse for Android or uh, presumably Visual Studio for Windows Phone 7. And then you'll actually go through the whole build process of creating a native app. So in Apple's case, it gets signed and whatnot. And you, you know, once a, you know, a .IPA has been generated from, let's say, Xcode, you, you can't, I mean, there are, I guess, ways to decompile those, but they're signed and whatnot. So your, your source is safe within a, an IPA. Android side, you know, people can obviously decompile Android ones, but you can still sign those. Um, so your web app itself, uh, cannot be obfuscated. Yes. Um, unlike the native code around it, because ultimately it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's plain text. But so I think in large part, you're, you can protect your source, um, via taking advantage of the native apps way of doing that. For example, BlackBerry does the same thing. You sign apps. And I, I, I don't know enough about Windows 7 to say anything about it, but I imagine that there are also, uh, you know, a signing process with uh, those apps as well. So basically what I'm hearing is that it does get compiled into something that runs on the, uh, on the native phone. Yeah, but it, I, I need to clarify there. It, your your app itself, which you which you deliver, what you build with PhoneGap is just a web page with you know images and you know JavaScript and CSS files. That mm-hmm. part of it does not get compiled. Um, the native code around it gets compiled because ultimately, what PhoneGap gives you is a container inside the the native app to interact with the web page. So you're still interacting with a web page; it's just running locally on the device. But I get to use my own tools. I get to develop in Studio, but I'm purely working in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and some kind of phone gap API? Exactly. Okay. So, for example, with iOS uh, uh, and Android, I do my phone gap app development. That is, you know, the web pages and, you know, JavaScript that I'd be working on. I do it in TextMate, which is a text editor for, uh, OS X. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I essentially migrated into the native platform, um, you know, IDE. So in the case of Android, 99% of people do Android development inside Eclipse. Right. So then I can build my Android app through Eclipse and then probably 99.999 people do, um, development of iOS applications and Xcode. And I do the same thing. I just import it via a, a bash script that you can either do sim links or import it. And there are some tools coming out as well that will help there. But ultimately I can build my phone gap app in whatever technology or IDE platform I want to, and then use the native, you know, preferred way. I, you know, obviously visual studio is the way you're going to build a windows seven app. And so after I build it, how does it get, uh, does it go through another step after that? How does it get to the phone? Exactly. So that's all device dependent. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you're on an Android device, you have to actually build, you know, an uh, dot uh, IPA or excuse me, APX. What is the APX? Um, is this an Android thing? Yeah. Well, I, I was going to take the Android as an example. So the building part is device dependent. So it's going to be different to build, let's say, a PhoneGap BlackBerry app. Uh, it's going to be different to build a Windows Phone 7 PhoneGap app and iOS. They're all different. So that part is unique to the actual device. So the, what you do is then, because it's a web app, ultimately what you're building outside of those devices with PhoneGap, you know, there is no build step. It's just, you know, because because it's just a web page in JavaScript. You then can import them into those particular platforms and then you run a build that is, again, you know, platform dependent. So in, in Max Point, you're going to do a build and it's going to get signed and then you can push it to a device either, you know, via USB or you can send it to the App Store, et cetera, et cetera. I should also mention that PhoneGap itself, um, it is an open source project. Uh, they were acquired, the company behind it was a uh, consulting company, Natobi, I think was their name. Yeah. Uh, they were acquired by uh, Adobe. Um, so it's still, it's still out there running, but they themselves, PhoneGap has, presumably Adobe, 
has a service called uh, PhoneGap Build. And what they do is they'll take care of all the complexity of building the, the actual native deliverable, the native binary for the particular devices. So what you would do with that PhoneGap Build is you would just upload your web app in a certain kind of directory structure and you have to have a, you know, an XML file that is a meta file that describes, you know, what, where some certain things are in your app and what you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And then they'll push down, let's say a dot IPA, et cetera, et cetera, um, for your particular, which platforms you want. So if you want Android and, uh, and Windows Phone 7 and and iOS, it'll push down those files for you, which is pretty handy. Is that going to be the way of the future then? You don't worry. I said, my next question was, okay, so I build this app once. How do I get it across four platforms? It sounds like I need to load it into each development environment to do that. Yeah. So it is, it is somewhat painful. Um, and I think services like, uh, PhoneGap Build are, are going to be part of the future. I mean, and, and I think they believe that. Well, I know they believe that, you know, you can get it for free for one app. It, beyond that, it starts to cost money. So there's obviously an opportunity there. Um, right. And they're not the only ones in the game. Obviously, they're very much focused on PhoneGap. Um, but yeah, that, that therein right now lies the complexity of mobile development. Um, is that every you know device has its own uh, you know build slash uh, you know signing strategy, right? And that's that becomes a pain in the neck. So we did this a while ago uh, when we when we had a, a previous show on .NET Rocks about PhoneGap. We sort of looked at the feature matrix for different phones. Try mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, as best we could tell people what, uh, what they can expect on the, these different platforms. And, uh, I'm, I was just on phonegap.com and looking for that and couldn't find, it. but I think that'd be a really good thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, it, it is there around that. I've seen the feature matrix as well. Um, I'm looking for it for you. Uh, here you go. If you go to about and you go to supported features, it's there. So I would say, you know, so PhoneGap originally, my understanding is, is it got started as an iOS thing and then oh, yeah. moved to, you know, Android. So your feature matrix for iOS and Android is going to be phenomenal. And if you look at the matrix, it's pretty much 100%. I notice that mm-hmm. the compass isn't available in older iPhones. Mm-hmm. However, um, as most people know, the iPhone platform, um, the upgrade rate is very high. So, uh, even though that compass isn't available on, you know, uh, pre was at 3G. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt there's that many 3G devices out there, uh, or pre 3G devices, as opposed to Android where it gets a little bit more complex, the fragmentation there. You have to, you do have to worry about, you know, people still running, let's say 2-2, uh, right. even though, uh, ice cream just came out, ice cream sandwich. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. So let me let me just run through this in an audio yeah. way that I think yeah. I know how to do it. So there are these uh, features are as follows accelerometer, camera, compass, contacts, which I imagine is access to the contact list. Yep. File, which I'm not sure what that means. The file f- system. Do you have yeah, access to exactly. the file system? All right. Geolocation, media, and media, that just means I can play videos and uh, video and audio or? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Network, uh, notifications, alerts, notifications with sounds and notification with vibration and then storage. So in the accelerometer, uh, all but OS 4.6 to 4.7 is, uh, is, now what is OS 4? That's Blackberry. Blackberry. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't recognize the Blackberry logo, logo. Um, sorry. Uh, you know, I think the big thing here is that 3GS and newer Android and web phone seven support everything. Yes. Yeah. 
And yes. I was actually, I was, I was fairly impressed by that. I didn't, I didn't actually realize how much support they had for a Windows Phone 7. So that, um, and having just kind of watched the community of late, I've noticed a lot of, um, movement around Windows Phone 7. So obviously, you know, and I, and I believe that Microsoft is, is putting some effort into this because PhoneGap is the, you know, 500 pound gorilla out there right now as far as kind of a cross platform mobile development framework goes. All right. I still want to go through the rest of this list. So camera is not available also on that older BlackBerry. Uh, the Compass is not available on iPhone 3G, the Blackberries and HP WebOS or Symbian. The Contacts are not available on the oldest BlackBerry or HP WebOS. The File is not available on the oldest BlackBerry or HP WebOS, also not on Symbian and Bada, which I don't know what that is, but that's okay. Geolocation is available on everything. Uh, media is not available on BlackBerry, HP WebOS, Symbian or Bada. Network, notification, alert, sound, and vibration are available on every platform. Storage not available on the oldest BlackBerry and Bada. And the platforms are iOS phone and phone 3G, 3GS, Android, the three BlackBerry versions 4, 5, and 6, HP WebOS, WinPhone 7, which supports everything, by the way, uh, Symbian, and Bada. And Bada is um, Samsung's OS. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's great. You know, and as far as the market goes, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, at this point, as far as kind of apps go and, and where kind of I think most attention is is being focused is you've got two two platforms. You've got iOS and you've got Android. What remains to be seen is, you know, who really is in third place? And, you know, obviously a lot of people are betting on, you know, Windows Phone 7 and, and future versions. Um, BlackBerry, where it stands, uh, there's, uh, I think the last thing, or the last stat I heard, there are 40 million BlackBerry devices out there. Um, but the challenge there is that the platform itself is somewhat old, doesn't support a lot of the kind of the new cool features, although you can see that, you know, BlackBerry 6 now supports a lot of these things. As far as WebOS goes, um, and I think we all know the story there, HP killed it, but then they open sourced it. Problem there is, you know, what devices out there will actually bet on it and go with it? That remains to be seen. Symbian and, and, and Symbian obviously has a huge install base, but, uh, I just, I don't see a lot of people or hear a lot of people developing apps for Symbian, you know, consumer related apps. And yeah, then. It's, that's a Nokia thing and mm-hmm. Nokia basically said they're betting everything on WinPhone 7, but they're still selling a lot of Symbian outside of North America. Right, exactly. And then Bada, it's interesting, you know, didn't really go anywhere, at least in in, in North America, but there are, uh, again, I, I, I haven't done my research enough, but I was having a conversation yesterday with a, with a gentleman who believed because of the Motorola acquisition by Google that some of these other handset manufacturers um, are a little concerned that, you know, Google's going to have the upper hand with Android, so may want to go with something else, and some sure. of them may, may be betting on Bada, but again, that this all remains to be seen. We are very early in this mobile space, as, as you guys well know. Yeah, and, and Bada, I mean, Samsung is a Korean company, and apparently they have traction for Bada in Korea, mm-hmm. which it, and it may never get further than that, the same way the Japanese tend to have a whole lot of stuff that never leaves Japan. You yeah, you're right. The same the thing happened in Korea. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think you know, it's funny because I was at a mobile event last night, and uh, I've seen a Windows Phone Seven. I know that um, my neighbor has one. He actually works for Microsoft, and the the interface there is is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very very nice phone. Um, but you know what remains to be seen is will will it get the uptick in, uh, in the consumer market? I mean, one of the points here with PhoneGap is the effort to deploy your app to to Win Phone Seven, even if it hasn't got a big market share, is now trivial. Yeah, you're right. Why wouldn't you? And, and heck, deploy it to Bada too. Why not? Right. Well, so let, let's talk a little bit more about just, I mean, PhoneGap in general. I think, so PhoneGap makes a lot of sense. Uh, for certain apps, um, there are some apps where I don't think it, you should build it in PhoneGap, and I'm, and I'm sure the folks at PhoneGap would say the same exact thing. Um, you know, for example, if you want a highly interactive game, um, you, you can, of course, build uh, games and HTML5, uh, you know, the Angry Birds guys did it. Um, but it's, it's not going to have the clean, crisp experience that you'd otherwise have if you built it natively. So I still, uh, when I'm developing apps, if I need that kind of close to the bone, uh, high, highly interactive, no flickering, no nothing, 
um, app, I'm still leaning towards just just write it in the native format itself. You know, whether that be Objective C or Java or you know. Right, right. Um, so I think PhoneGap makes a whole lot of sense for data kind of gathering applications. So. Um, uh, you know, I want to, uh, I want to, you know, uh, allow people in the field to submit trouble tickets or whatever it is, or I want to provide, you know, the workforce with some reports, uh, you know, uh, so they can get them on their phone or their tablet. I think this is where something like PhoneGap makes a whole lot of sense because the experience itself is good enough. It's close to being native. Um, and then obviously from the, you know, the ROI standpoint, you get to write it once and then technically you get it across, like you just said, iOS, Android, Vada and, and Windows Phone 7. So you can basically address your entire workforce. I mean, there's an interesting conflict here because if I'm talking about an enterprise app, I'm probably dictating the hardware too. Well, you know, that's interesting as well because, I mean, it, the, the space that, you know, my company plays in App 47 is the enterprise world. And what we're seeing more and more is that enterprises, you know, back in the day, which was, you know, basically last year, <laughs> right. uh, would go out and buy, you know, 10,000 Blackberries or, you know, in some corporations, 100,000 Blackberries and issue them. Yeah. But what you're finding now is that, you know, when, when I join, you know, you know, Acme Corp, um, I've already got my, you know, my Windows Phone 7 or I've got my iPad. Right. Um, uh, you're going to give me a BlackBerry, fine. I'll, I'll carry it around, but I'm not going to use it. No, and, and I can't tell you how many people I've seen who've got a BlackBerry on one hip and an iPhone on the other. Right. One was issued by the company and the other one is their own. And so in this day and age, you know, companies looking to, you know, save money, um, cutting out, uh, you know, devices and, and going towards, you know, they're calling employee liable devices. So bring your right. own device to work, BYOD. Um it, 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 I believe, or we believe, and I think a lot of people share this belief, is that more and more corporations are saying, you know what, fine, bring your iPhone, bring your Windows phone, whatever it is, bring it to work, and we'll give you the apps. Right. Whether or not those are native apps or, you know, something like PhoneGap or some competitor PhoneGap, uh, you know, we're still in the infancy. But that trend, I think, is going to be clear. So what's the what do the critics say about PhoneGap? Somebody who doesn't use PhoneGap because it doesn't, it won't let me... Well, you know, so I think right now that the critics are saying, you know, it's, um, it, it's still, you still know you're on, you still know you're playing with a web app. So right. what you'll find is when people get into PhoneGap, in fact, this happened to me when I gave my presentation and some interaction I had afterwards at CodeMash and then even on Twitter, is people asking me, you know, what are some tricks so that I can disable scrolling and stuff? So what people are trying to do is they want to build a web app or they want to build, they want to use PhoneGap, but they don't want people to know that they're actually interacting with a web page. Um, and so I think that right now is the number one, you know, complaint with some, with something like PhoneGap. Um, now there are competitors to PhoneGap that have their own language, let's say. So, for example, uh, uh, App Accelerator Titanium is 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 a JavaScript framework that you you use to build, um, you know, quote unquote native apps, and that's a you know I won't say it's a proprietary JavaScript, but it's it's their JavaScript. You can't you can't use let's say jQuery. At least last time I checked, you couldn't use jQuery. So, um, I think there are more complaints about other phone uh, other non phone gap related frameworks, and that's why phone gap is the five hundred pound gorilla because it is so easy. And what you're starting to see is for example, Sense a Touch, which is a uh, you know a JavaScript framework uh, from the EXTJS guys, um, they even have instructions on how to make you know Sense a Touch work in PhoneGap, uh, jQuery Mobile, how to use this inside of PhoneGap. Huh. You'll also see people writing about how to get you know just JavaScript frameworks in general, like Backbone JS, how to get to make this work inside of PhoneGap. So it's becoming kind of like the de facto standard to get people onto building mobile apps. Now the other side of it's not just the scrolling that's going to make it look native. It's if you're using a common set of code, each one of those phones has its own sort of look and feel. It's there's there's Apple buttons and there's yep. Android buttons and and even especially when Phone Seven with the tiles, like it's just a different look to the app. You're right, and, and so th there's another challenge with PhoneGap is that you know a big part of going with PhoneGap is selecting kind of your your JavaScript slash you know HTML CSS framework. Yeah. So, so what people are really looking for is that they want their app to look and feel like it is a native app. So again, if you're on an Android platform and I fire up an app and it looks like an Apple app, I'm going to be disappointed and vice versa if I'm on a, you know, an, an Apple phone and I see an Android. And 
I don't even know where you go with, you know, Windows Phone 7 because it is so completely different. But I imagine, again, if I'm on a Windows device and I fire up an app and it looks like an Android app, I'm probably not going to use it. So a big part of going with PhoneGap is selecting a framework that has, that is, that allows you to theme it and make it look as close to the bone as possible. And there's some, there's some contenders out there. Uh, you know, the three that I talk about are kind of like, or at least in my opinion, the three heavyweights right now are you've got jQuery Mobile. You've got Sensor Touch, and then you've got a, another framework called JQ Touch. And the nice thing about uh, Sensha and JQ Touch is you can make they they come with themes that make that make your app your web app look very much like it is a native app. So you can have an Apple you know theme, so your buttons look like Apple, and you have little sliders that look like Apple sliders, yeah. and and vice versa on Android. Um, and, and that's one of my complaints against jQuery Mobile is that. It's a very, very powerful framework. It's the easiest framework to get going with in terms of because, you know, half the world knows jQuery. Um, it's such an easy, and, and again, it's one of those, you know, bridges cross, you know, PHP people know jQuery just like, you know, .NET people know jQuery just like Java people know jQuery. But the problem with jQuery mobile, at least at this point, is it's very hard to style it to make it look like a native app. So when you build a jQuery mobile app inside of PhoneGap or, or, or regardless of PhoneGap, it looks like a web app. You know, it, it, it looks foreign to the device you're on. So I, I think, if, and some people are saying, but people kind of want that. Um, I, I have yet to see that when, or at least my own personal experience and then people I work with and talk with and hang out with. Um, if an app doesn't look like a native app, or and again, yeah. it can still be a web app, but if it looks like an Android app or it looks just like a web app, the experience is not going to be there. Is the Chrome always there? The Chrome. What do you oh, mean by the that? The web browser, back button, title bar, all that stuff. No, exa- no, it's not. And that's that's the beauty of this is because PhoneGap kind of wraps it and makes it look native. So yeah, the, the back and all the back button, home, none of that's there. Uh, at least on Android and um, and iOS, and I imagine the same for all the other platforms. It, it looks and feels really, really close to a native app. You, if you were a casual user let's say one of my children or something like that, you know, was playing uh, or using a, a phone gap app, they would not know it was a web page. Okay. Can, could you fix this with CSS? Could you identify, hey, I'm coming, this is a, uh, a WinPhone 7, use this CSS to give it the Win look? Yep, and- yep. Because ultimately what's happening is that the uh, phone gap is, is packaging, if you will, in the native app, a browser. It's, it's, it's the native app's browser. You know, so in, in the case of, uh, you know, iOS and Android, it's, a, it's a WebKit browser, mm-hmm. um, that's using your app. So in your app, you can use JavaScript to say, Hey, what's the user agent? Oh, it's iPhone. Okay. Let me, or it's iOS. Let me, let me style it this way. Oh, it's, you know, it's not iOS. It's, you know, Android. Um, let me style it this way. So yes, you, you can at runtime or at, you know, load time when someone clicks on your app, you can determine the device. And then consequently, you can style it appropriately. Interesting. Uh, what about tablets? Yeah. Does this work for tablets? It does. It does. Um, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the iPad is just a, you know, it's the same operating system as the iPhone and you right. know, obviously and the Android. It's the same. Um, you do have more real estate. Um, and you can, you, in fact, with the user agent, you can determine. In fact, I showed this at the, at CodeMash is that I, my, my little user agent, you know, uh, switch statement, if you will, was actually incorrect when I fired it up with an iPad. It thought it was on an Android. Um, huh. so, you know, th- therein lies my example of, you know, someone fires up my app on a, you know, an, an iPad, they're going to throw it out immediately when they see the Android styling. Um, but yeah, you, you can definitely use these on a tablet. Um, and, uh, I, there's nothing necessarily specific, you know, or unique in PhoneGap to tablets other than your app. You may want to, you know, plan on it, uh, from a, I guess a user experience standpoint, cause you have more real estate. Uh, one thing I have noticed, uh, and, and you kind of mentioned this a little with, with CSS is if you use a framework like JQ touch, I've noticed on, uh, tablets, uh, you get a flickering effect, uh, with yeah. large lists because again, phone gap is really good for just data presentation. Yeah. Um, I've got, you know, accounts. I want to give people, you know, salespeople a list of accounts when they're in the field and they can click on the account and see all the data related to that Simple account. stuff. It's really about the, the functionality, not necessarily the slickness of the app. Yeah, 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 exactly. If, if, again, if you need a really, really slick app that, you know, does really cool things and is, you know, the Angry Bird-ish type app, um, I, I still think native is the way to go. HTML5 is getting there. It will get there. But what I'm uh, hearing is, though, for, you know, 
the tablet's entry into and its long journey, which is just beginning into the enterprise. Yeah. Maybe phone gap is the way to go because you have, uh, well, and maybe for, for only for the reason in that it's simple, it's effective to deploy and in, in the, the startup time is minimal. But, but what are the other issues in the enterprise with an HTML5 application, JavaScript application? Other issues. Well, my number one complaint right now with HTML5, regardless of, you know, the enterprise, we can get to that in a second, is that, uh, people will abandon these apps if they, if they see that they're non-responsive, if they act like a web app. If they don't act, you know, equivalent to the native app. Now, there are some things you need to take care of when you start to build these apps, you know, a, a quote unquote, a web app on a phone, right? Is that I can be on a plane and I could be in airplane mode, right? Um, so you still have to think through this. If, you know, if you build, let's say, a really cool phone gap app that uses Ajax that talks to a backend server and pulls out, you know, all the reports that the guy needs on, you know, in real time, um, that's all well and good until, you know, He's, he's in airplane mode. Right. Um, now if you build the native app, you have to do the same exact thing. Right. And you got the same problem. Yeah. It, so it's, it's not that web apps create a new problem. It's just that you have to think differently. And now you have to start using local storage. You have to, you know, so it's, it's no longer, you know, when I build web apps, traditional web apps that are designed to run on a server and in a desktop, I don't have to worry about a disconnected desktop. Right. Um, or, or at least I never had to before. Um, <laughs> But now, you know, once, once you, you pull this user experience into a device that's not always connected to a network, um, they still expect it to work. When I'm on a plane, I still want to see those reports. Right. Uh, I, I don't care if, you know, uh, if it's on a server, or it's stored locally, I don't care what you do, but ultimately I want that experience to be, you know, I want it to be awesome. And there so, is a storage option in this. So, you know, if a guy's smart enough to realize, Regardless of how I built this app, if I don't have these this report data loaded on my phone, I'm not going to be able to look at it. Yep. Whether it was if it's built in PhoneGap, it is possible to store that data so you can view it offline. Exactly. So, in the storage options are interesting because you obviously have the you know the native storage, and that's what you saw in that when uh, right. Carl you read out the uh, you know the matrix. That's the native storage, but you also have the option to use web storage or you know HTML5 storage. Um, which is, you know, an up and coming kind of, you know, technology part of HTML5. It's called local storage, excuse me, where, you know, leveraging JavaScript, you can, you can store things kind of like a cookie, except you don't have all the limitations of cookies. So there, I mean, there's something you can take advantage of inside of, uh, PhoneGap, but that's not specific to PhoneGap. That's just an HTML5, um, feature in general. And Nick said it's, it's WebKit under the hood, right? Well, that depends. I mean, that's, it's WebKit under the hood in terms of the devices, those being, um, iOS, Android, and Blackberry, at least the newest for the Blackberry tablet, the playbook that's using WebKit. I do not know, um, if, uh, the browser inside of Windows Phone 7 is WebKit enabled. Well, the browser inside of Windows 7 is not WebKit, but I guess the question is, what is PhoneGap bringing to the, what's the runtime that this thing's running in? Well, that's the, yeah. PhoneGap itself, it, it's deferring to the native browser. So, oh, okay. so yeah, it's so, running in IE9. Yeah, and if IE9 supports, you know, local storage and all that good stuff, then you're good to go. And it must because if but you, you look at- know, you're hitting on an interesting point because there are differences between the way HTML5 is implemented in WebKit and in IE9. So we could get compatibility issues here. I'm certain of it. Um, you know, in fact, I was having a conversation recently. Remember the browser wars back in like, you know, what was that? 99. Last year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> um, I mean, we are back there with mobile, um, you know, devices, especially the difference between you've really got three major browsers out mm. there from the standpoint. You've got the WebKit browser, which is Chrome, um, Safari, uh, and others. And then you've got Firefox, which chose not to go WebKit. And then you've got IE. So you, you really have three different browsers that all are still implementing things quite, you know, differently. Um, at least right now, the, the general consensus uh, is that WebKit is kind of like the, the, the bellwether in terms of uh, features for HTML5. I could see another hang-up, potentially, is if you've got um, an API that you're using, you know, a web API that has client-side requirements and client-side JavaScript code like UE, Yahoo's user interface mm-hmm. thing. I can't imagine, you know, having to roll up my sleeves and dig into somebody else's JavaScript to make sure that it's going to work side by side with PhoneGap. Yeah. And actually this is one of the challenges. Um, 
going, going back to your question earlier about, you know, what, what are some of the issues that people have with phone gap? Um, debugging, uh, this stuff, uh, it is painful. Um, you know, it's, it's easy for me to run my, you know, my web app, you know, or let, let me step back. I'm building, uh, a HTML5 mobile app, uh, but I haven't moved it into these mobile devices or these native devices yet. I'm just, I'm building it like I would in TextMate. Um, it's very easy for me to debug it and make sure everything's working. I can fire up, you know, Chrome and look in the JavaScript browser or the console and I can see that everything's working. Once I move this code, and, and wrap it with PhoneGap and deploy it, um, I lose a lot of those uh, conveniences. And it's very difficult to debug issues once your app is running on a device, uh, you know, whether it's Android or iOS, or and I imagine the same is true for Windows Phone 7. Um, that is a headache. Um, and yeah. I don't I don't I don't have a good answer for that yet. <laughs> That's why uh, I do find myself from time to time. I'll start down a, ra- a route where I'm I'm building something in PhoneGap, and I realize, you know, I, I think it'd just be easier if I did this natively. Right. Um, I, I'll 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 take the hit. I'll build it once in iOS, and then I'll build it in Android. And then if you know if there's a third platform that starts taking off, I guess I'll have to build it in that third platform. Um, and I think there are business cases for doing that. So if your app has minimal, com- you know, complexity, then PhoneGap makes a lot of sense. And there are, I should say, there are other platforms out there that are probably worth looking at if you start going down this route. Again, PhoneGap is the 500-pound gorilla because it, just look at the feature matrix. It supports so many different devices. Yeah. It supports, um, and it, you know, and, it, and there's a large community behind it. Like I said, it is open source. They did donate the code to the Apache Foundation. Mm. Um, and I should also mention that around that, they're trying to rename PhoneGap. Uh, the first iteration of the rename is called Callback, but uh, my understanding is that that name has been taken or something. So they're uh-huh. trying to call it something else, which is to say that it'll be called PhoneGap for the longest time, okay, I believe. Yeah, it'll, yeah, just because they want to change the name doesn't mean we will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got one more question from Twitter. Uh, Sean Wildermuth, who's a uh, Windows Phone 7 guy. Uh, in all around good dude. He wants to know if there are any mainstream Windows Phone 7 projects that were built with PhoneGap that you know of, and for that matter, any other platform mainstream applications that were built with it. So I don't know about Windows Phone 7. Um, I'm, I'll be happy to research it. I do know that there were issues. Um, all right, let me, let me answer this question directly. Mainstream, yes. I know that there are PhoneGap apps. Um, out there on iOS and Android, and you can get them through, you know, the iTunes store or the Google marketplace. Um, I don't use any of them. They're, they're consumer related ones. I think there's like a beer one, like a kind of a, and I love beer. There's like a, a, if I remember, you know, a kind of like a beer finder, you know, uh, I'm in New York City. Where's the great, you know, the best bar type thing. Um, so I would say there are mainstream apps being built in PhoneGap and being released to the consumer market. Um, my suspicion is, is you'll start to see a lot of kind of enterprise apps, uh, leveraging this technology. Um, and those wouldn't necessarily be, you know, mainstream consumer oriented, but they'd be on kind of private app stores and whatnot. Uh, and I think if you just go to PhoneGap and you look around the community, I think I'm sure there's an example of a Windows phone. I mean, if you look at the feature matrix, it, it, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I don't know Windows Phone 7, but if I had to build, if, if I needed to build an app to run on Windows Phone 7, at least I would definitely start out with PhoneGap and go that route. Well, mostly because your skill set, you know, you're right. not a Phone 7 developer. That need, You're strongly incented to be able to take this stuff you've already built and uh, deploy it in, into Phone 7 without having to learn but it. For yeah. that matter, so are Windows Phone 7 developers strongly incentivized to build it once and run it everywhere. And run it over on iOS and Android. I mean, that's a very interesting angle on all of this. Yeah, I went to a hackathon um, late last year that was sponsored by AT and T. It was kind of a you know mobile hackathon, and there was a there was a Microsoft evangelist there who was talking about PhoneGap and Windows Phone Seven. So um, I definitely feel that Microsoft is is being very smart here and playing. Um, it, it has I think they're helping out here, and I think that's smart. Um, and, and I, I, I suspect that'll help with adoption because, like I just said, I am not a Windows Phone 7 guy. Um, I won't ignore it. Uh, if it becomes, you know, a force to contend with, I will learn it and I will, you know, I'll start to write native apps there. But uh, my first option, if I have to write an app there, is um, I'll look at PhoneGap and see if I can get away with PhoneGap. Now, the one other thing I want to hit on before we go away here is it feels to me 
like the acquisition by Adobe is this dark cloud hanging over everything. Hmm. <laughs> Why do the words Adobe and dark cloud always go together on .NET Rocks? I, yeah, right? You know what? Every time I reboot my machine, they remind me why they're a dark cloud. <laughs> well, there are certain products that I like and certain of them that I consider viruses. Yeah. Well, so uh, I think it's interesting. Um, so obviously, you know, you've got Flex and flash, excuse me, flash. Um, and you had the whole kind of, you know, flash gate or whatever scandal that, you know, went on with, uh, uh, Apple and Adobe, right? Um, what I think is telling is that Adobe bought, you know, essentially PhoneGap and, and then, you know, subsequently has end of life, uh, flash. So, um, Adobe has certainly bet the farm on HTML5. So, you know, a black box standpoint from the, you know, them buying a company and swallowing it up and it disappearing, that usually happens when big companies buy, you know, small little innovative companies, uh, you know, all the smart people in the innovative company leave within a year or two, um, and then that technology dies. Um, I think that's why you see the, the phone gap kind of community pushing hard for this to be open sourced and to be yeah. the Apache foundation so that Adobe can't, uh, you know, mess it up it, it, on purpose or inadvertently. Um, so I, I do think it's very interesting times. Uh, I, you know, and, and I think if you, if you, if you trace back and you look what Adobe's doing, I think they're, I think it was a good move for them. Um, you know, I, another interesting kind of tidbit here. Um, so Adobe is betting on HTML5, but there's one other thing I think they're betting on, which PhoneGap gives you. And, and I'll give the example. If you, um, go look at Sense of Touch. Now, here is a HTML5 framework uh, for building, you know, mobile web apps. They themselves have a a container now uh, technology that's kind of like PhoneGap, but uh, not as extensive. So, what you can do is you can build a Sense of Touch app, whether it be for you know a tablet or a phone, and then you can literally run a build and you can produce a native. Uh, you know, binary that you can deploy onto those devices. So you can, you can get an, a, you know, an I, a, IPA for an Apple, um, you know, device, for example. Where I think that's interesting is that here is an HTML5 company that has recognized that in order for them to reach wide distribution, they have to produce a binary to get onto the devices. So that's something that PhoneGap gives you. I mean, I can go out and build an HTML5 app and then ask that people on an iPhone or an Android go down, you know, go on their browser and, 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 and make use of my app. But that's not the experience. What people want is they want to go to a store and right. download a little icon. And that's what something like PhoneGap gives you because it packages it natively. I can put my app into iTunes or, you know, the Microsoft store or the Google store or, the, or even the Amazon store. And then people can download it and they have a little icon that can click on it. So that distribution channel that you get through these native devices is key. And that's what something like PhoneGap gives you and other you know, and it's very telling that Sense of Touch now has a, you know, they have their own little container and all these other kind of competitors biting at the heels are doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's a show. Mm-hmm. We're just about at an hour, so this is a good time to stop. I'd like to uh, thank Andy Glover for telling us all about PhoneGap. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. You guys keep up the good work. It's a great show. Thank you, and so so should you. Thank you. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.